This happened several years ago, when a few high school buddies of mine and I decided that we wanted to get together and do our own kind of 10-year reunion celebration. We were never the cool kids, so we kind of just thought that it would be a waste of time to even bother with the real reunion, and decided that a camping trip would better fit our interests. We had all kind of dispersed around the Midwest, so it was difficult to get all of the logistics sorted out, but my buddy Ray had family that lived out west in pretty much the middle of nowhere, but in a really nice, nature-laden part of the state. What was even better, they owned some remote land, and they were okay with us setting up our camp on their property so long as we didn't cause any damage to the natural formations. So, it was an absolute win on our part. And we set up the dates and times, and decided that we would all go out the first weekend in May, and spend some of the week out in a really nice area, just enjoying the weather and the surrounding nature. I was honestly super excited to go on this trip, as I hadn't seen a couple of the guys since we graduated, though we'd kept in touch over things like Facebook. The logistics went like this. I was going to head out that way by car with my pal Joe. Ray and Mark were going to drive out together, and Brent was going to drive out with Dave. Basically, it was going to be a road trip with two of us per car, heading from different locations and we had a hotel that we would be staying in for that first night. We were all going to meet up there, and then head out to the campgrounds, as that would just make it easier for everyone to go at the same time. Like I said, I was pretty psyched, as this was probably the most exciting thing that I had done in a long time, and I loved road trips. The drive there goes about as expected, fairly uneventful, with it pretty much just being a drive across parts of the Midwest, though the mountainous region was obviously gorgeous. I was the one driving for the first half and Joe for the second, and we got there in pretty good time considering how far it was. We were the second group to make it to the hotel, and the other guys, Ray and Mark, pulled in a few hours later. We all spent the night at the local bar catching up, playing pool, and just having a great night. After spending a few hours out and enjoying ourselves, we opted to go ahead and call it a night and head back to our hotel rooms. When the morning rolled around, we had our fancy hotel breakfast of just-add-water eggs and microwaved bacon, then all headed back out onto the road. We followed Ray's car for about 45 minutes or so, and we ended up in an area that pretty much seemed like the middle of nowhere. He parked, and we all got out. Joe and I kind of gave him a look like, are you sure we're supposed to be here? But he reassured us that he knew the area from when he spent the summer with his aunt as a kid. In the end, all we could do was trust him. We parked the cars and got all of our camping gear out, walked a couple hundred yards away until we had all decided that the spot was perfect, and started setting up camp. After a bit of time, we all got our tents set up, 
and we decided to set them up with the six tents in a semicircle facing towards where we had parked our cars. And once night started rolling in, we set up our small pit and lit a fire. Then we all sat around it and started reminiscing about our high school years. It was probably one of the best nights I've had in a very long time. Just sitting there with my old pals from high school, talking about the days when we were young and then catching up on random things in our lives. What made it all better was that the property owned by Ray's aunt was legitimately in the middle of nowhere. There were only dirt roads. There were no streetlights and there was no cell reception. It was probably around 10 or so when Brent pointed out that there was a car driving down one of the dirt roads. We all kind of sat there and watched it pass. It was pretty far away from us, but it was the only car that we'd seen all night. Ray laughed and He said it was probably just one of the neighbors cutting through the back roads for whatever reason. He mentioned that the dirt roads over this way were pretty much used only by people that knew his aunt and by people that were running illegal goods, mostly because the cops never came this way. Dave asked about what kind of illegal goods, as if he was going to purchase some, and as nonchalantly as he could be, Ray just says, Oh, you know... Drugs, for the cartel. Obviously, we were all a bit shaken up by this. He didn't tell us that we were going to be sleeping on a cartel trail. He tells us that it's fine and that we didn't have to worry. His reasoning was pretty much that if they were running drugs across this area, they weren't going to pay us any mind, because then it would look more suspicious. They would just pass on by and keep going never giving us a second glance. All I could do at this point was trust him. After a couple more hours of chatting and drinking the beer that we had brought, we all decided that it would be a good idea to call it a night. We all got in our tents. And for some reason, I was struggling to fall asleep. I was lying there for about an hour and a half, tossing and turning, and just generally feeling uncomfortable when I noticed that there was a light shining in the direction of our tents. I sat up, and I watched it as it got brighter and closer for a few moments. Then, it just stopped moving. Within a few seconds, the silence of the small forest was interrupted with the sound of a gunshot, and then an old man yelling for all of us to get out of our tents. Inside, I was freaking out. I was obviously thinking something about the cartel coming to rob us, or murder us for being on their turf. In my defense, I was tired, and a bit buzzed. He started shouting again that if we didn't get out of our tents, then he would come in and get us out, and that he had plenty of zip cuffs to make that happen, which was more than enough for me to get my ass up and open the door to my tent. I think the other guys were just as freaked out, because everyone else exited their tent around the same time, except for Ray. We all got out, and in front of us was an old man holding a handgun in his right hand and a shotgun strapped to his back. It was pretty clear that he was in control of this situation, and he was going to be ready to take on any threats. I remember him saying something along the lines of, I saw you boys out here a few hours ago. I gave you plenty of time to leave. 
Now we're going to have to do this the hard way. Before he unclipped his collection of zip cuffs, all of us were in a mild panic, but apparently I was the only one that thought that we should say something. Wait, sir, we know who owns this land. We're not here to cause any trouble or anything. If we need to leave, we can find a new place to set up camp, or go back to the hotel or something. He paused for a moment and looked over at me. Then he asked me how we knew the owner. I tried to tell him that she was a family member of one of us, but he was still in the tent. At first, he looked like he didn't believe me, but after I pointed to the only closed tent and said he was in there, he motioned for me to open the tent and said, Don't do anything stupid. You move wrong at all, and they'll be burying your ass out here. This statement made me all but piss my pants, but I moved over to the tent with my hands up and then slowly unzipped it. I tried to wake Ray up by saying, Ray, get up. There's a crazy dude with a gun out here. Of course, he had more to drink than I did, and he was less than responsive. I whisper-shouted it again, and after a few seconds, he finally opened his eyes. I told him that he needed to get outside immediately, because we were all about to die. He slowly and groggily sits up, and then stands to get out of the tent. After a few seconds of taking in the scene, he half-drunkenly says, Oh, hey, Mr. Carls, what are you doing out here? The look on the old man's face changed completely. He went from murderous intent to looking like he just saw his own grandson for the first time. He quickly holstered his gun and stepped forward to give Ray a hug. After the tensions were a bit more settled and we were done having our panic attacks, we learned who this man was. Ray told us that Mr. Carls was his aunt's next-door neighbor and had been for a long time, and as long as they'd lived there, apparently. And the last time they'd seen each other, Ray was around 12 years old. When we asked why he was creeping around Ray's aunt's property, ready to put a hole in anyone he saw, he responded by telling us that, apparently, Ray's aunt was out of town, and she had asked Mr. Carls to watch the property for trespassers, a job that the old man took very Seriously. Also, his aunt had apparently forgotten to mention to the old man that we would be coming up for our camping trip. So when he saw our camp, he thought we were going to be there for a little bit and leave, which was a common thing for drifters. When he saw that we were still there a few hours later, he apparently strapped up and decided that he was going to take us all in to the sheriff's department himself. Hence, the zip cuffs. In the end... We stayed the full week and enjoyed the time together. Mr. Carls even came out to have a beer with us a couple times and brought us some food that his wife had made. Not exactly the norm for camping cuisine, but it was quite nice. I will say that, as much as I really did enjoy this trip and hanging out with some old friends, having a gunshot right outside my tent and then having the gun pointed at my face because this old man thought we were trespassers really made it to where I don't think I want to go camping again. (laughs) 
My camping story comes from a time when I was actually still a child. Probably around 12 years old, the absolute oldest. Back when I was young, my dad wanted me to get into hunting. He was a hunter, his dad was a hunter, and so on. Me, I never really had the drive to kill an animal, even for food. While I understand that he was trying to instill a sense of survivalism in me, and trying to teach me what I would have to do if society collapsed, I'm now 47, and society has yet to collapse. At this point, if it did, I'd probably just accept it and live off cans of spam for a few months before I succumb to the elements. Completely irrelevant to the story, my apologies. Anyways, the story took place on a hunting trip that my dad had set up for myself and him during the summer break of that year. He had planned to take me out to a hunting ground that he used to hunt on, and that his friend owned. The plan was that we would sit up there and find the hunting tower and just wait for the deer to come along to shoot them. Pretty standard hunting trip, really. We got all of our gear together, and we headed out early in the morning to get to the spot where he and I would be setting up the tents. I packed more than I needed, mostly because I was the kind of kid that would throw a fit about having to wear the same pants for two days in a row, and we were supposed to be out for the whole weekend. After lugging everything into the truck, double-checking to make sure we had our tents and camping equipment, I got in the car and to be completely honest with you, fell asleep as soon as the tires hit the asphalt. I know he drove for an hour or two, and then I woke up to the feeling of the truck going off the road and onto the gravel, dirt paths. He pulled up to the spot where we were supposed to be at, and he asked if I was excited. I told him I was, despite the fact that I was barely cognizant. We grabbed our tents and all of our gear and whatnot, and then I asked him where we were supposed to set up the tents. Much to my dismay, he tells me that we would have to hike about ten minutes to get close to the lookout tower. I remember the look on my face when I stared daggers at him. He laughed his ass off. Then, we started our trek into the woods. After about ten minutes or so, he pointed next to where the tower was and told me that that was where we would be in the next morning when we actually started hunting. Then he told me to set up the tents. Plural. I asked what he was going to be doing, and he said that he was going to scout the area and see what was around. Then he dropped his tent and told me he'd be back in a little bit. At first I was pissed that he was making me do all the work, but I went to it. I set up his tent first to be nice, and then I started struggling with mine. After having a difficult time with it and saying words that my dad would have swatted me for, I finally got them both set up, and we got our gear in the respective tents. After that, I actually got into mine and went back to sleep. I wasn't asleep that long, probably 15 minutes or so, and I was woken up by my dad shouting my name close by. I quietly responded, saying, Yeah, Dad, I'm in my tent. And then put my head back down. Then I was shaken awake by my dad opening my tent, 
and telling me that I needed to get up right now. I asked what was going on, thinking at first he was just messing with me, but the look on his face told me very quickly that he wasn't joking. I got up, I exited my tent, and he told me that we needed to leave immediately. I told him that we had just gotten there and asked why we needed to go. He told me to come with him to the truck so we could leave. I asked about our camping gear, and he basically told me to shut up and do what he told me. Being 12, I wasn't going to argue with him any more than I had. So at this point, my dad had dragged me away from the campground, left all of our gear there, and was in a hurry. So the only thing that I could think to do was, again, ask what was wrong. He didn't respond at first, but when I asked a second time, he once again told me to stop asking questions and kept driving. Obviously, I was annoyed, but I just sat there and stared out the window and pouted. I got even more confused when he pulled into the police station and told me to stay in the car. I was going to ask why, but he was quick to get out and run up to the station before I could. I just continued to sit there and stare at nothing in particular. Then, after about ten minutes, he ran back out and we got back on the road. But this time, a cop cruiser was following us. Before I could ask anything, he literally told me to just keep my mouth shut and not ask any more questions at all. He pulled back up to the spot where our gear was and told me to stay put. Then he and the officer started off into the forest. Again, I was 12, and it was the late 80s. I was not about to just sit there and do nothing bored out of my mind. Honestly, though, I kind of wish I had. I waited for a few minutes, and then followed behind my dad and the officer, just far enough that I knew where they were, but distant enough that they probably wouldn't have noticed me. I followed them for a bit, and then they stopped, and my dad and the officer were standing by a broken fence line. Basically, it looked like someone had knocked down the post to a barbed-wired fence, and it hadn't been replaced yet. I just stood there, and I heard my dad explaining things to the officer. He told them that we were there to hunt over the weekend, that he knew the owner of the land, and that he was just walking the perimeter to check things out. Then, he said that he noticed the damaged fence and went over to check it out, and said, I came over to check the damage so I could let him know about it, and that's when I saw her. I may have been young, but I was able to put two and two together. Him freaking out, wanting to leave, getting the police, and it's exactly what you're thinking. Apparently, when he went ahead and checked out the area... He saw a woman's body lying in the brush. I later found out that it was actually a young woman, around 16, that had gone missing only a couple days prior, and the cops had determined that her body was likely to have been dumped by whomever had taken her life. So, this was literally my one and only hunting-slash-camping trip, and the only time that I ever did go camping and I can technically say that I did go camping, because I slept in the tent for a little while, and that means it was camping. Jokes aside, 
this is the only time my dad took me out on one of these trips. And I don't think he even got together with his buddies to hunt after this. Apparently, there's something about finding a dead body in the woods that ruins camping for you, no matter how long you've been doing it. I'm 19, and I work for a church-based summer camp in the Midwest as assistant head counselor. Basically, second in command. For privacy reasons, I won't give the name away. And even if I did, you probably wouldn't have heard of it. It's a fairly small community of churches that does the summer camp. Unlike other church camps, we don't really focus on religion during the camp. It's more of an actual camping experience. Sure, there's a day or two where we do cover a number of parts of the Bible, but for six of the eight days, it's pretty much just enjoying nature. Hiking, birdwatching, fishing, etc. The land that we set up on actually belongs to one of the pastors of the church. It's got a lot of woods, a small pond, and on one side is backed against a small cornfield. The whole thing is about 20 to 30 minutes away from society. My point in this is, despite the fact that it is an area for enjoying nature, if there were an emergency, we wouldn't have to wait long for an ambulance or anything like that. In fact, you actually get a little bit of cell reception out in parts of the campground. For the most part, We manage to keep the kids in line, but sometimes they wander into the field or we find them taking impromptu hikes in the woods. Most of the time, this is fine, but this story is about the one time that it really wasn't fine, and the kids that were there were probably scarred for life. We were about halfway through the eight-day trip. We had already gone through one of the two Bible study days, and right about then is when the kids start to get restless and want to wander off on their own. On this day, we had two or three boys do just that. They wanted to go out and explore the cornfields on their own. I was dealing with the rest of the group and making sure everyone knew what activities they were supposed to be doing for the day, and when it came time for roll call, I realized that they weren't there. Not wanting to sound the alarm right away, I asked one of the other counselors to go check the bunks, and then asked my group if they had seen them. After a bit of interrogation, I finally got one of the kids to tell me that they had gone out into the field. Whenever this happens, we have to do a basic lockdown, get all the kids back in the buildings and guard the doors just in case. I called the other counselors in the walkie, and advised them that I was about to go look in the cornfield for the missing boys. They came out and rounded up the kids, and I started towards the field. As I get there, I finally see the group of boys running back towards the camp, all of them looking absolutely terrified. I'm thinking that they're all panicking because they realize they're probably about to get into trouble. So, I take a deep breath and I calm myself. We're not supposed to reprimand the campers, We're supposed to talk to them as if we're negotiating or talking to an adult. I raise my hand to get them to stop as they exit, 
and they beeline straight towards me. One of them looks like he's been crying, and two of them are screaming incoherent gibberish at me. I calmly tell them that we needed to talk, and that they should have told us that they were going out, when one of them finally squeezes out a word that I can understand. Dead body. I immediately drop my camp counselor act, and ask what the hell happened. One of the two boys was going off, finally takes a breath, and he tells me, We were out in the field, and we saw a trailer, so we decided to go see if it was locked. When we got closer, we noticed that it smelled bad. We opened the door, and there was a dead body. Obviously, I was a bit freaked out, but I was also skeptical of their claim. I dropped the walkie, and I told the others that I had found the boys, but to keep everything locked down for the moment. Then I told the boys to take me to the trailer. They were hesitant at first, but I told them that I needed to make sure they weren't lying, and then we would need to report it to the police. They led me through the cornfields and in for a few minutes, and sure enough, as they had mentioned, there was an old silver camper in the field. It was a small camper trailer, like the kind that one person could comfortably sleep in, too, if you didn't want any privacy. Seeing this kind of made me nervous. If they were telling the truth about the trailer, then I was worried that they were telling the truth about what was in it. I held my breath, I walked over to the door, and I grabbed the handle, and I pulled the door open. The smell that hit me was intense, and I immediately slammed it back shut, pulling away and trying not to gag. I grabbed the radio again and told the others to call the police immediately. One of the counselors tried to prod me for more information, but I just repeated that they needed to call the cops. I took the boys back to the head counselor's office, and I asked them to sit outside while I explained what had happened, and all of us waited for the officers to arrive. When they got there, we told them what had happened, and I took them out to the trailer. They verified and they called in the coroner and did everything they needed to do. I went back to my boss's office and just sat there with the boys. They were all petrified of this situation. They were probably thinking that they were in trouble and the cops were going to think they killed this guy. I explained to them that they were fine and they did a good thing since they told us about it, and the police would be able to figure out what happened, and that they weren't in any trouble. I don't think it helped in any way. <laughs> There's not much more to the story after this. They took the body, and they notified the owner of the property. When all was said and done, it was found that the man in the trailer was actually a member of the church, and he'd been missing for about two weeks. Come to find out, he had actually committed suicide in the trailer. They found a bottle of hard pain pills and a large empty bottle of Jack Daniels. How he knew about the camper is beyond me, and the owner of the land had no idea either. He said that it was just an old trailer that he left out in the field for storing tools. Somehow, he knew about the trailer and decided that it was a good place to follow through with his decisions. Honestly, I'm never going to forget that smell, and thinking about it still makes me want to gag. But I really feel bad for those boys. I'm going to bet that they'll never forget this whole event, 
and they're going to need therapy to get past this. Ah, yes. Camping horror stories. A good collection, and one that a lot of you wanted on my last poll. I know it's not the one that got the most votes, but it did get quite a few. Um, I kind of already had this one planned whenever I put that out there, though. Anyway, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, this was an interesting collection. I've only ever been camping once in my life, and nothing this exciting happened. At all. Anyway... I hope you guys enjoyed, and if you did, please do consider subscribing to the channel. Hit that thumbs up button and the bell icon next to it. I said that backwards, whatever, you get the point. And if you want to support the channel further, you can follow me on my social media platforms or support over channel memberships or Patreon. All of this is optional, and let me tell you, it is greatly appreciated. Either one of those tells me you really like the content and want me to keep going. My members and patrons are simply the best people out there, and if you join either one, let me just tell you, you get early access to all my content. Hopefully that's worth it. Patrons also get some extra stuff if you so feel inclined to sign up for a higher tier. And yeah. Alright. I will talk to you guys next time. But until then, sleep well.